Hi everyone, this is Olga Mack with Notes to My Legal Self. Fun fact, I am on the road. I am, you would never guess this is my hotel room, but I am in San Antonio, Texas. Um, and uh, I was thinking whether we do this episode or postpone. And then I realized that traveling may be a new reality that we embrace post-pandemic. So why stop having fun? Why stop conversation? So we'll have probably more conversations on the road. So that means I'll be learning and I would like your feedback. So definitely do that. Today I have a fantastic guest and uh, I'm really excited about this conversation. It's a very important conversation. Um, two things. Uh, one is that you will get a whole lot more out of this conversation if you participate, if you react, if you ask questions. It is my experience that you learn a lot more if you're part of the conversation. So definitely do that. And two, as you know, Notes to My Legal Self is the conversations with in-house professionals who show up every day and do impossible in their magic. Um, these conversations inspired by viewers like you and recommendations by viewers like you. So if you have a recommendation of an in-house professional from whom we can learn, substantive skills, career skills, or anything else for that matter, let me know what it is. And I would love to have the conversation and include all of you on that journey. With that in mind, I have a fantastic guest today. Um, she's amazing. Christy, welcome to the show. Please introduce yourself. Well, thank you so much for having me, Olga. I'm very excited to be here um, and appreciate the opportunity to chat. I am Christy D. Sparty. I am currently in-house counsel for a company called NG Impact. We are a sustainability and management, um, utility management company. And I've actually been in the role for just under a year and recently made the leap from litigation to in-house. Oh, I was a litigator once. Um, <laughs> not a recent leap. I've had many leaps after that. <laughs> so one leaps are possible and that may not be the only leap you do in life. Um, and speaking of your past life, uh, why don't you share how did you maybe get in house? What was the scenic route you took to be here today? Yeah, I'm happy to share. So I actually started the journey somewhat in law school. I always wanted to be in house. Um, I have worked for larger companies in the past and really enjoyed the dynamics. And um, interesting enough, and I, I think this is pretty common, is that I was told I couldn't do it until I had some litigation experience. So I went that route. Um, you know, I checked some of the boxes that I thought I needed to check in law school and went in into a firm um, and started civil litigation. At some point, and I, I think I, I gained some um, momentum and courage through the great resignation that we've all heard about. And I thought maybe now's the time that I should consider what I originally wanted to do was be in-house. Um, and so I started looking into that. Um, like I said, I've been in this role for or almost a year um, in October. And so my journey was was kind of long, but it was, it was a good process. <laughs> who was the kind person who gave you that advice? <laughs> <laughs> so many people. Um, I, I heard it from law school professors. I heard it from actually, I would interview at in-house positions and they would tell me the same thing that I need a litigation experience. Yeah, this is interesting. Um, 
there's a lot of misinformation and the reality is when you ask somebody for the advice you need to understand that you know it might have worked for them or maybe they they have blind spots um and just because it's a common advice it doesn't mean it's a good advice and definitely may not be a good advice in your case um but it is a common advice and it, it's it's very interesting that we see quite a lot of it i think what i I am challenged because we are in business of giving advice. And what we should understand as lawyers is that not everyone takes advice that is given, yet this is the advice many of us take to heart. Let me ask you this question. Why did you think that advice was compelling, convincing? Is that because of numbers or because you didn't see examples? I'm just curious. Why did you think that way? I mean, I thought, <laughs> by the way, I thought that way too. So. Uh, so clearly you're not alone there. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that a large part of it was the number of people that were telling me, but also I could see the the idea behind it because when you're in litigation, you see the true risks, the, the true um, acts that lead to big issues or issues that become bigger than they ever should have been. So I think in a sense, it is sound advice, um, but I do think that it becomes much more than that. Well, yeah, maybe. It's it's like a question, how do you get to SFO if you live in Bay Area? And the answer to that, well, you can take an Uber, you can take a bus, you can take a train, you can crawl, you can run, you can fly. Like, you can do a lot of things. They can all lead you to the destination. The question is what's best for you, right? So it, 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 it may be that it's not a wrong advice. Um, it just may not be the best for you. Uh, how long, uh, you said you, you practice in litigation, civil litigation, um, at a law firm, uh, what did that mean? If how long, what exactly did you practice? Uh, how much did you enjoy? Or uh, if not, how did you, you know, deal with it? Yeah, so I um, I graduated in 2017. I clerked for about nine months for a local state judge and then jumped into litigation from there. So um, I was it was about almost four years by the time I was ready to transition. Um, my practice areas largely focused on um, employment law, construction law. I did a lot of business disputes. Um, contract disputes were huge. Um, those are kind of the main areas that I focused on. And I, I honestly loved it. Pieces of it. <laughs> Let me characterize that. I loved pieces of it. Um, and which, a lot of respect. Which which pieces did you? I love I love pieces of it too. The the uh, re the reading, the arguing, the drafting part. It's the the part of making people's lives miserable that I didn't like. Which part <laughs> did you not like? <laughs> I will agree with that. Did not like the making people's lives miserable. It's it's funny because I <laughs> I had this one really contentious case that um I would I would joke with my law firm colleagues. I would joke with my spouse about. My week was just not complete unless this opposing counsel threatened sanctions against me. Um, so those were some of the things that I didn't like. And just to follow that up, I, I finally got to a point where I was like, do it then. Do it. File your motion. Let's see what the court says. Um, and that's when the threat stopped. So Yeah, no, I would say don't just file. Actually serve me. Then we're yeah. not. <laughs> because Bring it on. it's actually not the complete act. You need to serve it. And that's where people start. And, you know, it's, it's, and it's funny you say that as a young lawyer, and by young, I don't mean age, I mean how long you've been practicing. I want to mm -hmm. be inclusive in my language. 
as a as a junior lawyer, it you know it takes a little while to understand that that subtlety, uh, and you can definitely call bluff there. But it, you know, I thought it was really interesting. So you went to law school, and I think this is where you and I may be different. I went to law school thinking I would be uh, at a law firm. I never actually even considered uh, going in house, and uh, I didn't quite imagine being a litigator. Uh, but I definitely did not consider uh, going in-house. I was thinking I would be doing transactional work at a law firm, and that's where I start, and that's where I proceed throughout my career, and that's where I exit and retire. That did not happen. But you actually thought of practicing uh, in-house. How did you get to that thought? Um, I, I think it was largely based on the fact that I had worked for larger companies, and as a lowly employee. I didn't always like the way that things operated. And I thought that if I could become in-house counsel, that I would have a better way of being able to persuade some of the decisions or be able to impact on a larger basis instead of just saying or relying on, you know, one single person getting upset and then change happens. How about we make change happen before then? I love that. You said that, um, that great resignation had an impact on how you think about it. Um, I, I, in my career, because I started a little bit earlier than you did, for me, it was a, a great recession that reframed um, because I, I was looking to exit my litigation practice and I was looking for opportunities of which there were none and I was kind of being creative. But great resignation is a slightly different uh, iteration of that. Help me understand how that influenced your thinking and actions and how did that help you go in house? That's a lot of questions. Maybe we'll take it apart. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think in general with the great resignation, there were so many people and pieces moving. Um, there was this idea because, you know, it happened at the crux of the pandemic. Everybody was really trying to focus inward and think, how do I want my life to be lived? How do I want to do my career? What, what does that look like in the future? Um, and so I, I think that seeing other people talk about it, seeing other people move and make big changes made me look internally as well and think, okay, what do I want this to look like? And I've got the rest of my career ahead of me. If I'm going to move, maybe now is the time. Oh, I love the way you framed it so much better than I could ever frame because I was thinking, how do I still practice law, but not at a law firm? So for me, it was from a, a not thing, right? <laughs> from a negative place. But you were actually, sounds like designing your life, um, which is a much more positive and hopefully more exciting way to frame it. So when you ask that question, which is a very enlightened way of asking this question, how did you proceed thinking through the answers? Well, I started with the pieces of my current role that I really loved and kind of focused on those things. So we're talking about, I loved my long-term clients. I loved being able to trust them and they trusted me. And we know we could work collaboratively together on whatever the question happened to be. It didn't matter. Um, if it was related to a case or it was something that was more transactional. Um, that was kind of the first piece that I looked into. And then I tried to say, okay, what is it about my role that I don't love? I don't love the adversarialness of litigation. I don't love the competitiveness. Um, I'm 
I don't know, I'm not cutthroat enough for it maybe, but that was where I started and then kept thinking, okay, I've always wanted to be in house. How do I make that work? What are the things that I love and how does that transfer over to in-house? Is that actually the right move for me? Okay. You asked some really good questions. Uh, let's, let's take it apart a little bit. Um, the transfer of skill, that's a key question to ask. That in, in talking to folks who made this transition, who and I made that transition, ultimately you have to answer that question one way or another. How did you answer that question? You, your background is in employment and constru construction litigation, I believe you said. Um, mm -hmm. How did you make, how did you articulate the transferable skills here? I'm a, obviously, I mean, I made the transition. I'm a big advocate that the skills are transferable. You know, it's not about being in court all the time. It's it's not about the arguments necessarily, but it it's the pieces that you you utilize the tasks that you complete that lead up to some of those other things. Um, it's this idea that I'm reviewing employment contracts all the time. I'm reviewing, um, you know, internal employee policies all the time. That gives, for me, it gave me a really great basis of saying, well, I've seen these. I've even drafted a few of these employment agreements. I've pushed back on some of my clients and said, hey, that's not a good term. You should do it this way instead because of these reasons. Um, so I think that it takes a little bit of creativity in, in some ways to say my skills are transferable, but ultimately they are. An agreement is an agreement is an agreement all day long, whether it's a settlement or a MSA. You're still oh, going to I just love it. I'm going to pause terms. it here. You said agreement sure. is an agreement is an agreement. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, sometimes law is a law is a law, but I, I love the agreement, agreement is agreement. Um, that's very interesting. Um, and did you articulate that thought during the interview? In some sense, yeah, because the biggest pushback that I received, and I think that a lot of people receive is, well, you're a litigator. What does that even mean? How do you actually come in here and help us? So I think you have to articulate, well, just because I litigated this doesn't mean that I don't understand the key terms that we have to push back on. It doesn't mean that I don't understand what things we can just leave on the table because it doesn't actually matter. Yeah. How, how did you actually find the opportunity? Did you apply? Did you network? How, how did you actually, you know, argument is one thing, but somebody has to hire you, right? There's a hiring manager. That person could be a lawyer. That person doesn't have to be a lawyer when you go in house. Um, how did you find the first opportunity to go in-house? So I, LinkedIn. Okay. <laughs> I applied for jobs yeah, on LinkedIn. Do, do tell. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, so I uh, I looked at first in, in at companies that were in my area. Um, I live in Spokane, Washington. So that's not a huge area for in-house, but that's actually where my company is. That was my main focus at first. I looked at companies that I could stand behind their their product or their service. Um, and I honestly, I went to Glassdoor too, and I looked up a lot of employee reviews because for me, a culture fit was really important. I knew I could do the job. Um, I need somebody obviously to give me a chance, but being able to fit with the people that I worked with was really important for me. 
Okay. And then I okay. applied on LinkedIn. <laughs> okay. So there was a job posting and you applied mm-hmm. and you got the interview or did you kind of network yourself into interview? No, I, I just got interviews. Um, I, I didn't actually apply for very many positions before I got the one that I had. And I was interviewing with all of them kind of at the same time. I think it was probably three or four positions that I had applied for and got interviews at each of them. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So as you interviewed, did you, I'm just curious, did you actually encounter the objections that you thought you would encounter or was it easier than you thought? Um, I wouldn't say that it was easier than I thought. I, I definitely encountered objections that I thought that I would. Um, and it, it does go back to this idea of, well, you know, the company that I work for, we work with our paralegals a lot differently than you do in a law firm. In a law firm, you rely on your paralegals um, consistently, and there's a lot of interaction with them, and ours are different. So I know that there was a, a big concern about whether or not I was going to come down with an iron fist on the paralegals and or whether we would be able to communicate and um, collaborate. I, just, I find it really funny when people expect that. Uh, they just met you, met you, and they think you're going to have an iron fist. They didn't even shake your hand. Like, you don't know me. Maybe get to know me first and then shake my hand and maybe give me a hug and then make that conclusion. But that's really interesting. Sorry, I had to interrupt. This is- <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. I, I, I get where they're coming from. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen paralegals be treated awfully. I mean, under no circumstance should somebody be treated the way that I've seen some of them be treated. So I, I get the question and I get the concern. Um, I hope that it's less common than it, than I've seen it be. Um, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, no, that's, that's very interesting. Um, and this is a great conversation. Um, I do want to talk about transition. Uh, we do have a few questions left. Um, and uh, I just, I kind of want to kind of, Think about practical things. What about, you know, if you were to take a step back and give somebody advice, you know, as they're sort of going to apply in-house, what are sort of practical ways to make them come across with transferable skills to actually get the opportunity? Um, And then three, I want to get to the part of, you know, Kind of how do you actually actually transition on a job, right? So um, let's start with uh, how do you package what you have? How do you talk about it to convince somebody at the interview, but most importantly yourself, that what you, your experiences are valid, they are useful and transferable. Yeah, so I, I think it has to start with why you actually want to make the transition. I I hear so frequently, well, the work-life balance is better in-house. And while in some fields that may be the case, that's kind of a terrible reason to transition because litigation or firms are so different from in-house. The job itself is so different that if you're just moving because of work-life balance, you're probably not going to be very happy with the role. Um, So I think you have to do a deeper dive into that. What do you actually want to accomplish? What tasks do you want to complete on a regular basis? And for me, that was so huge, having that internal dialogue with myself about why I actually wanted to transition. Um, 
because it has to be more, like I said, than just simply work-life balance. And then taking those ideas of what I wanted to do long-term and looking at what I've already done. Those are the transferable skills, right? Um, in some respects, you have to do a bit of a deep dive. You have to be creative with some of them, but really think about what is it that I've done? What literally are my tasks? If I'm going to list them out one by one, what is it that I do now? And what is it that I want to do? And how do they, they correlate? And some of them are not going to. In-house, I don't go to court. Um, In-house, I don't argue motions. But sometimes I have to negotiate contracts. Um, sometimes I have to you know, redline an agreement. Sometimes I have to discuss business strategies with some of my internal team members. Those are all things that in one way or another I did in litigation. Um, so I think that's probably the the best way to look at those transferable skills. Yeah, listing inventorying is a really great place to start. I think it really sort of frames your thoughts and puts you on the path. Um, I like uh, that you applied for your job. I always joke that if you need a short-term job, your best bet is an application. <laughs> it really is because there is a need and you can kind of position your resume and you have a chance. Um, but um, you know, you did it in a smaller market, uh, and a smaller market may have fewer opportunities, but it also may have fewer candidates. Uh, so you know, it just kind of depends that some markets are may have more opportunities, but there is sort of a, a competition factor as well. Um, if you were to sort of think how you get your first opportunity, um, how would you sort of how would you think through that? Um, where would you look? Where do you think? Sort of opportunity-rich environment when it comes to in-house when you transition. I I think that you hit it kind of on the on the head with saying it's a it was a smaller community for me, which probably meant less applicants. Uh, and I think that that's a great place to start because ultimately, you need somebody to say, "Sure, I'm going to give you a chance." And if you can do that in a smaller area because you don't have a big pool of applicants, then maybe that's the focus. Um, I, I definitely don't fault that process. I think it, it worked for me. Yeah, some, it, it, as a business, niching out sometimes helps, whether it's geographically or subject matter, um, because there's sort of a new and developing one nobody knows, and you're sort of the best person to do it. I've also seen people to actually network. I do think that networking is a more of a long-term strategy. Um, folks for whom it works short term usually will kind of refer to their luck. Um, and I just, it's, it, it's always charming to hear the, I got lucky story. I just don't know how to replicate it. Um, you know, and then ultimately I'm like, well, okay, okay. I'm not lucky. That, 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 that's not helpful. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard to think through that, but, you know, niching out one way or another sort of geographically subject matter, or some other way. I think that does help. I do want to talk because we're close to saying goodbye. I do want to talk about like you got there, but you actually have to sort of do a transition, right? Um, you know, and you articulated the reason you've gone through the interview, convinced somebody else. Now you have you have that proverbial desk. Now you actually have to make it work. What was that transition like? Um, in a lot of respects, it was easier than I expected. In others, it was a little more difficult. So some of the things that were more difficult for me was the um, 
the idea that it's okay to breathe a little bit. Um, in litigation, I felt like if I'm not constantly moving, I'm missing something. And that's I, I want to pause on that. It's okay sure. to breathe a little bit. Actually, it's okay to breathe a lot. Breathing yes. helps. <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. Oh, so, and so good. <laughs> yeah. You know, being able to lean into the quiet times is so important. Um, and, and I get that in-house where, again, I felt like I was just missing something in litigation. Um, another thing that was a little bit more difficult for me or challenging for me has been, this is going to sound terrible, but um, at one of the law firms I worked at, there was this uh, kind of unspoken but often spoken rule that your client is the number one enemy. And that sounds terrible, but the basis behind it is this idea that your client may not tell you everything for a very variety of reasons. It could be that they're trying to hide something. I hope that that's not very often, but I think more commonly it's because they don't understand why it's important. Um, they forget, they just don't think about it. You know, there's a variety of reasons, but I think you always have to be looking at what's under that rock. Um, and in house, you can't have that mentality. Your client is the business. Your client are your team members and you can't have this idea of, what are they trying to hide from me? Um, so that was something that I had to unlearn very quickly. Um, that, that's and... really interesting. I never thought about it. I'm going to pause here. Your client is your number one enemy. Um, <laughs> I, that's a, probably a good articulation of what you see in the wild, right? Um, I, you know, I've never heard it articulate this way. Um, but uh, I, you definitely in-house, I mean, depending on the in-house majority of in-house, you probably think of them as partners, right? That's the operative mm -hmm. word in describing your clients in-house. Um, but it sounds like you actually had to do a mental shift. So can you help me understand what mental shift you had to go through to reframe and redefine that client in your head and your thinking and the way you have those conversations? Yeah, so assuming positive intent. <clears throat> I literally had a post-it note with assume positive intent that I kept right on my computer at all times. Uh, tell me tell me what that means to you and tell me kind of how, how that note helps. So I'll start with the note. So the note helps because it's constantly there like, oh yeah, assume positive intent. So for me, internalizing that meant that I needed to take a step back. Instead of having a gut reaction of what are they hiding, I needed to say, okay, hold on a second. Let them speak. Let's breathe for a minute. Let's calm down, think through it, and then ask questions. Um, meaning that ultimately we have the same goal in, in a company legal has the same ultimate goal as anybody else in the company. We all want deals to get done. We all want to increase revenue. We all want to have a good culture. Um, and having that mind shift of saying, we're all in this together. We are literally a team and without one, you don't get the end result. So that was my mind shift, I think. I, I love that mind shift for a lot of things, including pivoting and succeeding in the house. Assume positive intent. That's a good one. That's just a, I think that's just a good life practice, not just <laughs> thriving in the house practice. Um, anything else? We're coming to the end. Um, I, I want to make sure that once you get there, anything else that you thought uh, was helpful for you transition? Um, I, I think just understanding that 
transitioning isn't for everyone. I think understanding the true reasons behind your desire to transition is going to help you. Um, and being able to articulate those reasons to the interviewer once you once you get that interview um, is so important because ultimately that's what they want to know. Litigators, we sometimes have a, a, a bad um, rap. <laughs> you know, we're aggressive. We're whatever it is that it, you want to say. Um, and that's not necessarily true for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, um, I, I think I'm going to highlight what you just said around transitioning is hard, right? Transitioning by definition is change. Mm -hmm. um, change means, um, you know, transformation. It's everyone wants change, but no one wants to actually change. <laughs> yes. and, and so it is an act of courage, you know, to, to make that change, really, to do transition, to do it pivot. You can call it whatever. It's a process. And as much as you may want it, you may not enjoy every moment of it. I agree with that. I think that's right. That's definitely yeah. I, and I think acknowledging that, that it's, you know, because something is lost when we talk about pivot and transition. What's lost is the pain of change. It's because change is hard. Christy, this was a great conversation. I, like, really am very grateful for you being here and sharing and tolerating, uh, talking to me on the road. This is possibly one of many uh, conversations on the road. I am, I can tell you what I'm grateful for is good internet in this hotel. Um, and uh, if you were to leave our listeners, our viewers, with a thought um, about either how to pivot to in-house practice or how to succeed, uh, what would it be? Well, first, I want to say thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Um, I, I guess I would say that you're right. Change is hard. And if you have made all of those steps and you realize this is what I want, keep at it. It's hard, reach out to people, get encouragement from others, um, but, but keep at it because ultimately it, it is your life. It's, you spend a lot of time at work. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed we do. It does help to love what you do a lot. Chrissy, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, viewers and listeners, thank you so much for joining. Uh, this is a was a great conversation for me i think acknowledging the fact that change is hard in the process i think that's very important i i i i like the assume positive intent tip i think it's just a really useful life skill definitely very useful in-house and uh, yeah definitely useful in life um i what really inspired me about this conversation is that Christy started with a place of where do I want to be? How do I design my life? I don't think it is always a place where we start. Uh, but I think over time we can become better as we are seeking change to start with a positive place. Um, I think it will definitely help to reframe and lead to hopefully better, more intentional results. So thank you so much for joining. Um, I look forward to having more conversations. Um, if you have any recommendations of who should be joining me next, definitely DM me, write in the comments, or somehow let me know uh, who is the person we want to learn from. 
this in-house community is yes big but also small um it's a very small legal world and i would love us to learn from our peers to learn from folks who had experience from the best uh, and folks who are willing to share so if you have someone in mind let me know with that in mind thank you for joining i look forward to having this conversation with you in the future have a great day bye everyone <laughs>